The excitement I'm feeling right now is pretty palpable. It's the start of a brand new year, actually, the start of a brand new decade, and I can unreservedly say that I have never been more ready in my entire life to start a new year. 2020, I am coming for you. And I am so filled to the brim with anticipation and excitement for what this year holds. If there was ever a time in my life when I was ready to make bold moves, this is definitely the time I am 100% ready to soar. So how about you? What's on the horizon for you this year? Is this the year that you launch a brand new business or will this be the year that you eradicate debt from your life or are you anticipating new relationships, perhaps a new love? If you could encapsulate in one word or maybe even one phrase how you feel, what you really want this year to be like for you, what would you say? Is it hopeful or enthusiastic, optimistic? expectant, confident. Hopefully it's like something like that. One of those words, something really powerful. This past season in my life was definitely one where I was more hidden away, working on my own personal growth and healing. It was a season of learning and expanding. And I kind of feel like I'm stepping out again, ready to create a beautiful year. So right from the get-go, I feel this anticipation for us all to push past our own self-imposed limitations and see the beauty and wonder of all that God has available to us. You're listening to The Courage Cast, a show to equip and empower women to live bravely. Each week we'll share coaching conversations and stories of women who are willing to face their fear and pursue their purpose. Here's your host, life coach, author, and your secret weapon. Hi, beautiful. Here's your daily reminder that you are loved, you are important, and you are perfect just the way you are. The way those words just made you feel, that's what it feels like to slip into an Honor Brooks robe. Honor Brooks is a female-founded luxury robe and loungewear brand. Every unique, high-quality Canadian-made piece is designed to be a reminder that we are all made up of beautiful, unique details. For 15% off your very own Onderbrooks piece, head to onderbrooks.ca and enter promo code COURAGECAST at checkout. That's O-N-D-E-R-B-R-O-E-K-S dot C-A. Promo code COURAGECAST. Happy New Year, everyone. It kind of feels a bit surreal to say that we're in 2020, a brand new decade, I distinctly remember when we entered the 2000s, gosh, that ages me, Y2K. I was really excited about my life, but I have to say that at this point, I'm way, way more excited about my life now than I even was then. Because there's something to be said about having a little bit of life experience under your belt. And there were many years where I was really worried that at some point I was going to be disqualified because of my age but I'm actually finding that that's not the case at all. If anything, I'm seeing how my life experience is adding to what I have to offer. And my guest today knows all about that. She is not afraid of taking on new risks and new challenges and living bravely. And as I was preparing for the first of the year podcast, I thought long and hard about the guests that I really wanted to start the year off with. Now we all need someone in our lives that is our champion, someone who knows how to live bravely in every season. 
and my friend Kathy Ostapchuk is just that woman. She continues to champion me and is constantly encouraging me to keep forging ahead, even in the most difficult seasons. And the best part about Kathy is that she's not afraid of hearing the hard, deep soul stuff and just walking with you in that journey. This woman is the real deal. Kathy is someone I look up to as a leader, a mentor, and also a fellow coach in a world full of people that are clamoring to get to the top of the heap. My friend Kathy is the exact opposite. She is consistently hoisting us up on her shoulders and pushing us up and over. Kathy Ostapchuk is a speaker, an author, a leadership development consultant, and coach. She's the co-founder and lead catalyst of Gather Women. She co-hosts her Influence podcast and is committed to equipping and mobilizing Canadian Christian women by gathering, equipping, and mobilizing them to be a catalytic influence. I love this woman dearly, and I am so happy to share our conversation with you. Kathy, thank you so much for being on the Courage Cast. You know, you are definitely one of my all-time favorite people in the world. And so to kind of start the year off with you and have you on the show and get to introduce you to the people in my world is really exciting for me. So thank you for being here. It's such a privilege. I feel the same about you. Um, I was fangirling you long before we met. And when my daughters are in love with you and are tracking with you, that's such a great sign of the influence that you have, Andrea. So thanks for having me on the Courage Cast. Well, I'm really excited because you have just launched a new book and we're going to talk a little bit about that today. But before we do that, before we actually get into the book, which has got such an amazing title, um, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe what you're passionate about? Sure. Gosh, I, I have been kicking around for a while (laughs) and as many women do have had to reinvent myself several times and for a while I I wasn't sure where any of it would lead so really the first half of my life was spent in the arts so I was a musician conductor composer arranger pianist that sort of thing and I had some real fun on big stages doing that sort of thing. And then all of a sudden it ended. And sometimes things end in somebody's life, things that you choose and things that are decisions that are made outside of your control. And so my focus and intention and direction was really shifted like almost overnight into leadership and working with women. And for leadership, it was crazy because I just thought, oh, I'm not a leader. So why would I ever be leading anything, even though I had led in the sphere of arts, but even working with women, I just thought, Ooh, like, I don't want to do that. (laughs) I don't want to get slotted into that. But really, as I, I, I sort of obeyed what was naturally going on around me and where doors were opening up, I just stepped into that role. And, um, in the waiting, I knew that something was on me and sort of you know, a call, I guess, for my life, a vocation that was waiting. But I I didn't have a sense of what that would be. So while I waited, it took about 10 years, from about 2006 to about 2014, eight to 10 years, I just thought I would 
be prepared. And so I went into what we can affectionately call the green room, Mm -hmm. which is before the door opens onto any sort of platform. And I went back to school. So I did several, I had degrees in music already, degrees in music education. So I went back to school. I did some seminary training and I also uh, did leadership stuff. So I did executive leadership and then I ended up getting a master's in leadership and management. And I'm a lifelong learner, so I probably would have kept on going had um, the cost of it and life, <laughs> you know, not get gotten in the way. And so when really what I was meant to do in this season opened up and I felt that I couldn't disobey the voice that was calling me to do this, I was ready. I had the tools. I had maybe not so much the confidence, but I had a deep well to draw on. So right now I'm uh, the lead catalyst for Gather Women, and that's a national movement for women of faith across Canada, just trying to connect us all. I am a consultant, a coach, and speaker, and most recently, an author. So all those things, mom, grandma, to three little guys under two, and I love the complexity and the chaos of it all. And Mm -hmm. I try and live in the moment, but I'm tired a lot, but I ignore that. (laughs) Is that enough information? You know, you are probably the most energetic person I know when I see some of the things that you're doing and how much you travel and go and do things. I think to myself, wow, she really does like have this like infusion of energy and life and vigor. And it actually is quite amazing. And it's one of those things I'm like, I aspire to that. So I'm watching. I'm watching very carefully, <laughs> Kathy, how you're how you're di- how you're doing these things. But you know, one of the things that really actually struck me was you said, you know, there was a period of waiting eight to ten years, which is like I'm sure for yourself, but maybe even many other women, that period of time is sometimes a blink of an eye, but other times is just so long. How did you do that? Well, I think it's reframing this word transition. We think that most of our life is lived on the red dots, like you are here now. And this is what I'm doing. This is my career. This is my role. This is what identifies me. This is who I can safely say, you know, I am. I'm a CEO or I'm a, an artist or I'm a, a, a podcaster. And we try and define ourselves by those really secure periods where we have a job. <laughs> We have an income, we have friends, we have people around us, and we love to be in those places where we sort of have a regular rhythm. But generally, that is a myth that actually needs to be busted because especially for women, we find ourselves more in these transitional periods, which are longer than the periods that were actually settled, if that makes sense. So that eight to 10 years um, seems like a long time. And I know that I felt like I wasn't doing anything. People would say, well, what are you doing? I'm going nothing. I'm doing nothing. (laughs) I'm just preparing myself, preparing myself, because if nothing's coming, nothing's coming. But in that time, if you reframe it and see it as this is actually a gift, this is actually a gift of time when I can be working towards what's next and starting to build it and start to surface those dreams, those birthright gifts, those specific strengths that I know I have to offer the world and actually work on them and leverage them 
for whatever is next. And so when I reframed it, I just thought it takes as long as it takes. I say that a lot. It does take as long as it takes. Who knows when somebody's ready um, before somebody else? Who knows when your child is ready for kindergarten, you know, or not, or ready for university? It depends on the individual. And then you are able to more go with whatever life is in the present rather than always thinking, gee, I should be, I wish I was. Um, You're able to kind of go with the flow and realize that that long investment or the preload of that transition time will actually increase the intensity of your impact Mm, once that door opens or when you're ready. Mm -hmm. I really like that. I like the, the thought of, you know, the more prepared and the time that you've spent actually you know, getting ready is actually going to intensify what comes of that season. Absolutely. Which is, you know, really quite beautiful. Um, you know, another thing that also struck me is, you know, you, you talk about your, your kids are all grown, you've got three grandbabies. And I talk to women a lot about seasons in their life. And some women, you know, get to a certain point in their life and they think, okay, this is it. This is, you know, make myself comfortable, kind of like look at the decline. Yeah. And, you know, like, let's see where we're going. You, instead of, you know, being like, okay, now let's just kind of coast through, you ramped up and you started moving in the direction towards where you wanted to go. What was that like, you know, and talk about that even in, at your stage of life, because I think that's really important for women to know, you know, I don't have to be sidelined. Right which is sort of prevalent. It was prevalent uh, for women, even in my season, that ageism is live and well in this world, not Mm -hmm. only in Hollywood, but in, you know, circles of faith. And so you can see yourself as one of three ways that you're going to plateau and that you're just going to coast the rest of your life because it's really a North American um, thing that we have retirement (laughs) in other parts of the world. It doesn't really exist. But this thing that we're supposed to be retired by 60, 65, that then it's just like golf and long walks. I'm not sure what it looks like because I don't know what, I don't have that in my life. But, you know, so we have several friends um, at our age that are happily spending six months of the year in Florida or doing whatever they're doing, going on lots of trips. And I, you, I could choose that. Another choice, which happens to more people than we even want to think about is that we burn out because we've been so busy all of our life, just doing the thing, doing the thing with no real end goal in mind that we're done. And you see a lot of people just leave, you know, they just, what happened to so-and-so, what happened to so-and-so they become ghosts sort of. And I think it's a sense that they never achieved their dreams. And so they've just given up hope or else physically they're done. But what we forget is that we all have this third choice, and that is to soar. So that is to flourish, that is to thrive in this season. And midlife has changed. It used to be like 60 and above. I I have women and men coming into, when I do midlife leadership, they're they're as young as 30 because they've done all the things. Mm -hmm. And the question is, okay, what's left? What's really going to connect me to my purpose? And when you start asking that question younger and younger, you need to be an active participant in whatever you're going to build. And I think that building thing is 
something that we forget that we actually have to participate in building whatever's next in our lives. So if I'm, if I'm going to go to Florida for six months, then I, I build that. I, I buy a property, I make all the arrangements, but if I'm going to flourish and thrive and actually have the most fun I've ever had and pour myself out, not burn myself out, then I have to build that. I have to decide, okay, who is it? I want to be, you know, you ask that question, what's on my tombstone, (laughs) Kathy O was, and I don't want to be known as Kathy O was busy all the time. Absolutely not. I I want to be known as the person that invested in people and created spaces for people to gather and being equipped and mobilized. And so, yeah, you just build it and you decide I'm going to flourish. I'm going to thrive. And then you start to begin to explore what that looks like. And that actually doesn't take as much energy as you think on the outside it may look like wow they're really busy they've gone back to school or they've started a um uh oh what's the group that you have a brain um, a mastermind a mastermind mm-hmm. you know they're they're actively engaged in keeping their mind and their body going but really for that person you're just building capacity and and so you have more energy because you're doing it in the flow and you're focused on the things that that really matter. So it's so different than the daily grind. Mm-hmm. It's sort of a life of purpose. Yeah, like I love how you said the difference between burning out and pouring out. Right. You know, the 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 burning out would be like almost, you know, saying yes to any and every opportunity even if it really doesn't even align with your values or align with who you are or your purpose and you just kind of like yes, 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 yes to all these things versus maybe pouring out, can you give us some examples of like what that would look like in your life to pour out? Right. So I make decisions to say yes or no, depending on my values, first of all, um, and my mission statement. So currently my mission statement, and it has been for a while, is to clarify purpose and vision for individuals, teams, and organizations. So it sounds very professional because then when I'm doing something professional, working with a senior team or president or a founder, I'm clarifying purpose and vision for them. So then they can communicate that down through their organization. But when I'm working with an individual, it can be in a coaching environment, or I can go literally to the grocery store and engage the person who's doing the checkout and ask them a question about their life that will help them be become alive to it or Mm -hmm. have hope or think about their life or just encourage them about something I see like I'm always saying if somebody can pack my groceries in a bag and do it well I always call that out and say (laughs) like I don't know how you do that I can't do that and it's amazing how people respond to that sense of oh I have value even in this you know little thing somebody has noticed that I actually have value and so I get to live that out all the time, but my top and my top value is stewardship. So if if I'm using something that I'm innately wired to do and steward it well, that's a yes for me. But if you come and ask me to help you with your accounting, that would be a no because <laughs> I'm not innately wired to do that. Right. So I have to do things that are in my wheelhouse that um, that I can do without taking too much energy. And I say yes to the ones that involve, you know, hospitality, uh, creativity, beauty, learning environments, 
but number one is, am I stewarding the things that have been given to me that are natural to me? And therefore, when I expend myself on those things, I'm going to be spending like things that have been given to me, but I'm also going to be giving so much more back because it's going to give me energy back. So it's a win-win. Right. No, that's, I love how you, you're able to do that. And you know what? You are consistently adding value to people and showing them their own value, which is, you know, not something that every woman can do. Can I just tell you that? Mm-hmm. Um, I know that we, we say a lot, you know, that we should champion one another and encourage one another. But the reality is, is that there are fewer women who are doing that mm-hmm. than actually are. And you are one of those people. Um, and you've done that for me and you've done that for so many people that I know um, and just to kind of see in your sphere of influence, which is amazing. But how do you, um, I want to know, how do you do that and then still run in your own lane? It's how you, what your definition of power is. Mm-hmm. So we love this word being empowered and having power. And we think that's what makes us um, valuable or important. But it's really uh, something I learned early on from Janet Hagberg. She she has written um, a book on power and it's called Real Power, but she's got the stages of power matrix. And the first stage we often come into the world with as babies is that we're powerless or when we start a new job or when we find a new group, we come into the group and we don't know who we are and we don't fit in. So immediately we try and get power. So we find the right people. So we find in our new role at the new company, we find Susie at the water cooler who will show us all the ropes or we'll find people that we can align with or somebody with power that we can sort of get off of. So, you know, if I, I remember meeting uh, Rob Lowe up in Muskoka in a store and I thought, oh, gee, if I say that I met Rob Lowe, how important will that make me? And yeah. so we, we try and get our power from other people. And then very often uh, we keep going and we, we start to realize, gee, like, what if I had a degree or what if I had a name on the door? Or what if I drove a really great car like a Mini Cooper? Then people will think I'm great and they'll want to be around me and we get our power by things or achievements. But what often happens, again, either at midlife or before, is that we start to reflect and that's sort of stage four where we realize these things gave me power, but they're all external and they actually control me because once I lose my friends and it happens, people walk out of your life or once I lose my job or once I lose my things, um, I've lost my identity and you start to ask, okay, what does life really mean in this reflective stage? Very often after that, once you start to be open to, you know, I'm meant for more than all of these things that define me, you'll hit a wall or there'll be a crisis, cancer diagnosis, or somebody walks out on you. And it's what you do at this point. And I think for me, that was my eight to 10 years. I was at the wall. I couldn't move through the wall on my own accord. It was really God that had to take me through. And once you get on the other side, you realize I was actually born, we were all born to give power away, to empower other people. And once you realize you don't need to hang on to it because it's so fleeting anyway, you can give it so freely away because it doesn't define you. You've got nothing to prove. You've got nothing to lose. But you still 
want the right people around you and you still want a high degree of competence. So yeah, you want to be known for having those achievements and for, you know, doing something credible in your life, but it's so externally based that you become more the person that my power comes from who I know myself to be, what I was created for. And so it's easy to give it away because, and also you start to see that, um, if you live out of an abundance mindset, there's so much more. Yeah. <laughs> there's so much more. You're not competing. So somebody else's win is not taking from your own bank account. You know, you can not have to compete with everybody that's being successful. And there's really nobody in the same lane as you. There are a lot of people that do the same thing. Like there's a lot of podcasters, there's a lot of leaders. Um, there's a lot of consultants, there's a lot of speakers, there's a lot of authors. But when you realize you're the only Andrea, you're the only Kathy, you're the only one with your own unique life experiences, there's actually nobody that could step into your space if you vacated it. Like it would be empty. Then you're more comfortable just following your path because it's like nobody else can own this space. I own this space. Mm -hmm. So it really fosters collaboration, partnership, um, add, you know, the adding on to your life to add other people. It's from this abundance mindset where there's more than enough to go around. There's more than enough space for all the creatives, all the authors, all the whatever. There's so much space when we think that there's not enough. And if we rise, somebody else is going to have to be booted out. That's just a myth. And we, I mean, look at the artists. I was watching the American Music Awards and every year they have room for new artists of the year and they keep making space and making space and making space. And the ones that have been there a long time are still there and mm -hmm. there's room for everybody. And I think what's cool now in the creative arts is that there's so many collaborations like Billy Ray Cyrus and what's the guy, the rapper he collaborated with, uh, Nas, I think, but they won. And it was for a collaboration, somebody that had been around for a long time, somebody brand new. And I think that they're modeling the way for the way that we're supposed to live, like collaborate, give it away. If somebody else can do it and you can teach them to do it, teach them to do it so that it frees you up to move into your unique area. Mm -hmm. And don't try and compete in, you know, shark infested waters where everybody's, you know, going after the same thing. Everybody can't be Apple. Everybody won't be. Microsoft, right? You know, but just like go into that blue ocean where only you can do what you can do, and then then you can give it away without fear of. And I, you know, if somebody, if I give some something away, like if I create a platform for somebody else, which means that they're going to get chosen over me, I need to be able to celebrate that because I've had more than enough of what I ever deserved. Mm -hmm. So why not celebrate somebody else? And even suggest somebody else in your place, which would be really countercultural. Oh, totally. Totally. I remember there was an, uh, an incident where I had uh, been asked to come and do something that I would have to travel for. And I, I remember thinking to myself, I actually just can't do that. And it's, to be quite frank, it wasn't really even in my value system. And I remember, you know, I had to turn it down and I had this thought that kind of came to my mind as I was turning it down. I was like, you know what? I can turn this down or I can actually 
recommend someone I know that lives in that area. Mm-hmm. And I did that. Awesome. You know, I just, I said, by the way, I can't, you know, do this, but I do know of this one woman who would be a great fit for that. And she just happens to live there, you know, right. so she wouldn't have to travel and you wouldn't have to pay for expenses to, to travel and, you know, stay in a hotel or whatever. And, um, and it ended up working out and they had her, you know, which of course then could probably even give her more business, more opportunities. And, you know, in, there was this moment in my mind where I thought I could be turning down opportunity for myself in the future. But in the same way, I was, I was still thinking to myself, you know what, at the end of the day, this doesn't, doesn't align with what I'm doing. And, this is really actually creating um, a space for me. Right. As much as it is creating, you know, giving her opportunity as well. The start of a brand new year can sometimes feel a little bit sobering. When we step back and look at our lives, we see either amazing things have come to be or there is a lack of what we truly want. Maybe you're not really happy with where you're at not feeling all that successful or finding it hard to navigate really important relationships in your life. What you believe to be true about your life is what you will create. Beliefs make up your life experience. And if you don't change what you believe to be true about yourself and your circumstances, then you will never be able to change the situation you are in. So you may be wondering, how do I change those beliefs? It all starts with getting really clear on what you want your life to look like, being clear on who it is you want to be, what you truly want to do with your life, and then what you want to have happen. And too often we let our excuses keep us spinning our wheels and stuck in the same space emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And there is no one that understands that more than I do. So let me ask you. What do you want to see happen this year in your life? What one thing would you change to make everything different? Maybe you know deep down, but maybe you're not entirely sure right now. I would love to have a conversation with you about how you can become the woman you really have been created to be. So don't let those excuses hold you back this year. Take that step of courage and make some big changes in your life. Schedule a free 30-minute coaching call with me and we'll chat and spend a bit of time identifying what may be holding you back. I am confident that you will see a shift immediately. So book that 30-minute strategy session by going to andreacrisp.ca forward slash schedule. You are literally probably one of the champion um champions of women, you know, across the nation of Canada, you're the lead catalyst of gather women, which is, um, a nationwide movement here in Canada. And, um, we've had just in the past couple of months, we had a beautiful, uh, gathering together and so many women came together and voices that are being raised up. And, um, just, could you tell us a little bit about that and kind of what, your vision and gathers vision is for just even the women in Canada? Well, the only reason I did it was pure obedience. Cause I really thought seriously, I was too old. <laughs> I wasn't the girl. Um, it, I didn't need this in my life at this stage, but when I realized that 
when I wanted to, what, what I was being attracted to were gatherings that were happening outside Canada. So I'd want to get on planes and what's happening in Australia? What's happening in the States? Who's speaking? And I would invest in going into these places, which were great. But I'd always come back and my question was, well, what about Canada? Where are the women in Canada? How are we gathering? Is anything happening in Canada? And I've got two girls. They're 30 and 27 now. And I thought, are they excited to be a woman in this day and this time? And live kind of for a greater purpose and a greater meaning. And part of that is because I'm an Enneagram 4 with the three wing. But it has to mean something. Like, don't do it unless it means something. And there's a lot of amazing women's executive networks and masterminds and women gathering and having a lot of fun and encouraging each other and rising and elevating each other. But what does it mean? Like, is it changing the country? Is it is it having impact in terms of um, really just being healthy society, healthy community? Or is it women just wanting more? And so... Uh, one day I was flying home from a conference in Chicago and I, I remember tweeting, oh, I'm going back to Canada. Where are the women? What's going on? And so Gather started just to try and connect us all. We're the second largest country in the world, 17 million women in this country, but we're so spread out that we have a hard time finding each other. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to find other like-minded women. I didn't have any idea, you know, who the women of faith who are the women that really wanted to live with purpose and impact the generations to come? Like where, where were the girls in Vancouver or Regina or, you know, Nova Scotia? Like I didn't, I wanted to find them. And so we just started to gather with that in mind to first of all, connect and to gather. And then when we're all together to be equipped. And so when we gather, we're not dumbing any conversation down. I say we're not foo-foo, she-she. We're very organic. So we're focused on conversations, poverty, justice, reconciliation. We're, spo- we're focusing on spiritual truths to do with identity and purpose. Um, we're focused on, you know, sort of raising the bar for what we're called to when we realize we're here for such a time as this. And I think we forget that we didn't choose where we were going to be born. We didn't choose, you know, our family of origin. We think that we control so much, but basically that was chosen for us. So what do we do with that? What do we do with the fact that we're actually in this nation? And even for women that are immigrating here and coming here from other countries, like why are they here? And so to take that and say, this has been, this is a unique opportunity in the history of our nation, in the history of the church in Canada, in the history of what's going on with women to actually connect. And when we're together, see what the message is to us like what what is there something greater we could do together than apart so that's really what gather is about just trying to keep us connected over all of the spaces that keep us separated and we know that when you're isolated bad things happen and women in leadership uh, specifically uh, are the more the most isolated women actually in Canada so we just want to say no to isolation we, we want to say we're better together you know we're better if we're gathered around a table doing life sharing our highs sharing our lows inspiring each other and it's amazing when when we gather even as gather women across the country we have of course a beautiful program that we prepare but really what happens in the room is the magic of one woman meeting somebody in the foyer over a coffee 
And then they go on to do something amazing together. It's like, you can't plan that. Mm -hmm. But that's what happens when women are together. Like we just connect and we, we make things happen just by virtue of the relationship that is forged between us. And so the more we can create, be a catalyst, we call ourselves a catalyst for creating these spaces where women come together. We just kind of let that go. Okay, we're going to create this space. We're going to do the program as well as we know. Um, this year it was recapture the wonder, the wonder of really our original, God's original design for us, what we were, we were designed for purpose. We're in the broken middle right now, but we're heading toward a new beginning. But really, that was sort of the, you know, here's what we're going to do for you, but here's what's going to happen with you when you're in the room and you have no idea who you're going to meet. That's going to be that next, you know, you're always, there's a saying, you're always one friendship away from your destiny. And so if that can happen in that space, that's pretty cool. Oh, definitely. And that is actually what happened even this year for me. I kind of went with the expectation of just saying, okay, I'm open to the conversations that I'll have and the connections that I'll make without needing to, to push myself or force myself anywhere. And the moments in the the lobby to actually have vulnerable conversations with other women who I've even come in contact with many times, but have never had an opportunity to actually connect with and to see how similar we are and things that we've gone through and life experiences that we've had that, you know, we are like, Oh, you know, we're actually more alike than we thought we were. And, and that kind of provided us an opportunity to kind of have that moment. And also just to even share, um, like you said, highs and lows, like this is real life. And uh, one thing that I was really curious about, you, you said that, you know, women who are in leadership are, have a tendency to be more isolated than the rest. Why do you think that is? I think because the stakes are so much higher. Like the stuff that we carry can be really big stuff. Mm-hmm. And any sign of weakness or vulnerability is perceived as fail. Yeah. And I know for me as a leader, I just don't want to share all that stuff. I want to be perceived as, wow, she's really successful. She's leading a movement. But the reality is day in and day out, it's hard. And I doubt myself all the time. I've got less confidence now than I ever did because I've never created something like this before. And it's all new. Like I, I, I think there's leadership principles, but so much of it is just you have to pioneer and see what happens. And so I think there's a level of vulnerability that leaders think that they are not uh, deserving of. And so if a leader goes down and she burns out or she has mental anxiety, which is probably the number one cause of people just quitting what they're doing because of the stress and the isolation, that's not good for anybody. So we want to support leaders specifically and say, you have a right to community. You have a right to a vulnerable place. You belong. You don't have to just be doing it for other people. You need your, you need your girls, you need your tribe. And so I would be always all for that. I've, I love leaders. I have a real heart for that demographic. And I think that we have not paid attention to 
that need as much as we could. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I know what I need. And it's, I need strong women around me to, this happened last week and you were in that room where just even with the book, like, you know, not just feeling that I shouldn't be promoting it or even promoting what I'm doing. And I shouldn't, I can't, all of these messages of, you know, negativity and even not, not an abundance mindset, but we get ourselves into them when we're alone in the room. Right. So I think the power of, um, community can keep us focused on truth and not always how we feel because our emotions are an indication that something's going on we really need to pay attention to them they could be a red flag but they're not telling us the whole truth about who we are and I think the power of community the power of the sisterhood is telling each other reminding each other of the truth you have inherent value whether you're leading anything or not but the fact that you are leading something means that you've been entrusted with something and we want to support that we want to champion it we want to remind you of everything that you've been gifted to do and we want to support you and be there for you and so wow i mean (laughs) it it really is a game changer if we can all have access to something like that and if we don't have access to it let's create that table Mm-hmm. You wrote a beautiful book called Brave Women, Bold Moves, and it's actually just coming out, and that's exciting. Um, when this podcast is released, it's the beginning of January, so it's now out. And so I wanted to just chat with you a little bit because I had an opportunity to uh, read through it, and there were some things that really stuck out to me, of course, you know, thinking about how do we approach the year, you know, bravely. That's one of the big things, you know, I talk about on the podcast and sharing stories with women um, about how you can triumph and overcome things that come your way. And um, it's not meant for for us to sit back and just listen to what other people do, but to kind of glean from their experience and be able to actually move in the direction that lights us up and is encouraging uh, us to, to move forward. And so you actually had a list that you talked about, you know, what is helpful when you're, you know, choosing to live bravely. And I'm just going to read the list off and then maybe we can pick a couple of them. And I just would love if you would share even some practical examples, like how they can do that. Mm -hmm. So here's what you said, create your own biblical definition of success, replace negative thoughts that breed resentment with more rational thoughts. Celebrate other people's accomplishments. Focus on your unique strengths and opportunities. Cooperate rather than compete with everyone. So where should we start? (laughs) Well, I think the definition of success uh, needs to be really challenged, especially in the culture we live in. So the subtitle of this book is Choosing Courage um, in a Culture of Conformity. We just all want to be like Kim Kardashian or uh, Brene Brown and or somebody that's out there doing amazing things and has high visibility. We try and tailor our personality and our movements and our actions and our behaviors to that. But what is success really? I think success is owning the sphere of influence that only you have and making sure 
that on your watch, you're responsible for that. And it may not look like everybody else's. I think success also means learning from your failure more than it means learning from your success, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think getting back to the oldest book in the world, which would be the Bible. I mean, we've got some great historical autobiographies and biographies of successful women, successful men. Those are really helpful. But the Bible being the oldest sort of historical book, there are some stories of amazing women in there who, when they stepped out to do brave things, did not look like anybody around them at all. So I think this idea of uniqueness, that you can do one thing that won't look like anybody else's thing, and you have an opportunity to step into it and be successful in whatever way that looks for you. I think the point here is not to try and be like everybody else, but you have to explore for you what that looks like. I will never tell you what the definition of success is, which is why it's for you to figure it out. But usually it is born out of when you've made a difference for somebody else and Mm -hmm. not just you doing it for you. Right. I can, I feel like I'm like, I can tell you what it's not. (laughs) What success and, and success is not trying to repeat what someone else has done. Yeah. And I think then when we get caught up in like, well, that person's doing it this way, maybe I should model myself after that. That's kind of when we get stuck in that whole burnout, you know, phase, because it really wasn't authentic to who we were in the first place. Right. And so you feel, you don't feel as though you're really doing anything because you're not really being yourself. Um, The next one you said was replace negative thoughts that breed resentment with more rational thoughts. Now for a person who has struggled with anxiety, this is a really important one. So I'm curious to, to hear what you have to say. Well, I think, again, left to our own devices, um, we generally are not the best at really telling ourselves the truth. Mm -hmm. And so when you allow yourself to be isolated or to go down whatever road you're used to going down, I mean, we we are more known for thoughts that lead to depression and even suicidal thoughts, thoughts of low self-worth. Um, especially when we're not receiving affirmation from people around us or receive or being loved, you know, in one of our primary love languages, we're just in a culture that really beats us up. We're never good enough. We're never, we're never skinny enough. We're never enough of anything. Mm -hmm. And so these negative thoughts are just sort of, it's a cultural, it's a cultural thing. Like you never would have heard in my, our parents' generation. I don't think people saying, oh, I don't feel like I'm good enough. It's such a current thing. Mm -hmm. It's just crazy that that's the pervasive thing. So that knowing that we're wired to that in this culture, um, it makes us jealous and envious of everybody else around us because we just compare like, well, we'll look at her life. Why Why is she married to somebody who loves her so much? And I know that girl and she's mean. (laughs) Why did she get that? And I didn't work. You know, why, why are, why is she succeeding, you know, so much like she doesn't even have the education that I have or the experience. Why did she get that promotion? And it just, the resentment just breeds and it becomes a toxic poison. But when either in your 
tribe, with your sisterhood, or even for you that you have an opposite truth-telling set of principles. Like I have inherent value. I was created for purpose. Um, and even start to listen, list all the things that you can do. Mm -hmm. um, you need to replace the lies with the truth. And it's sort of a has to become ritualistic, almost a daily thing. How are you going to start your day? How are you going to end your day? The challenge with, um, actually, this book actually started out to be in a book on measuring and comparison. Mm -hmm. The problem is we have faulty measuring tools. So we could measure success at the end of the day. Oh, I did well. I had a great conversation. I achieved my checklist at work. I fed my children or whatever it is. But then you realize you think that you did a 10, but the measuring stick repeats itself and you're back at zero the next day and you have to prove it all over again. Or, you know, again, this definition of success. And I think, was I kind? Did I treat people well? Yeah. <laughs> was I human? Did I respect, you know, mankind? I think we've just got this negativity as part of our DNA in this culture. And we start, we need to really start to focus on truth and exploring that truth. To me, biblical truth is common sense, you know, like don't murder people, yeah. <laughs> uh, respect your elders. You know, there's so much, so many principles for living, like be wise in, in choosing your friends. There's so many, even if you just go to the truth uh, that's in the Proverbs, that will set you right in so many ways and really kind of come right up against some of the lies, but we don't seek truth in the right places. We look for truth in our circumstances you know, like looking for, looking for love in all the wrong places, rather than actually God loves me no matter, you know, no matter how my day went, I'm mm -hmm. always loved by God. But we look for our, our love and our truth and our value from things that are really um, temporary. And I think we think that everybody's thinking about us and making judgments about us. And you know, that they're thinking, oh, she should be more, she should be better, or I don't like her hair color. But really, everybody's so busy thinking about themselves. Nobody's really thinking about you. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, just things like that, like just start taking ownership of your life and saying, who am I? What am I here for? Let me focus on that. Let me find joy in the journey. Forget about all this other stuff, because it's leading me nowhere. And actually, the sad truth the sad reality is that it leads many of us to the end and mm -hmm. hope and we, we, yeah. And that's not good. Now there, I'm going to skip down. There's one that you have at the end it says cooperate rather than compete with everyone. Yeah. So if you, um, so I'm certified in lots of different things as a coach, but one of these um, really helpful tools is the Thomas Kilman is sort of a conflict model, mm -hmm. how we approach really difficult conversations, which are probably 95% of our conversations. Some of us accommodate, we just give in all the time, either because, you know, the other person is so competitive or we don't care enough about the relationship that it's like, whatever you want, what do you want for dinner? I don't care. Have, have whatever you want for dinner. Um, or we withdraw completely. We, we just don't even have the conversation for fear or that we're not going to win this battle or it's our default. 
Uh, some of us are winners. We have to win all the time. We have to be right all the time. But really, this model says that there's a quadrant that's better than either of these other three that you can choose to live your life in. And it's the negotiation quadrant where win wins happen. So in each of the other quadrants, somebody wins and somebody loses. Like if I am always accommodating you, I lose. My mm. voice is lost. You always win. When we don't have the conversation, when we run away from it, both of us lose. And if somebody is always right, they always win. And in this negotiation quadrant, why, how can we collaborate? That's always the question. How can we create an environment where you actually win and I win? But in my wanting you to win, I actually win, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. And so when you always ask, what are we going to lose? Somebody's always going to lose. But if you say, what are we going to gain or what's possible? How can me helping you win help? You know, it's just... It's just beautiful things happen there. And again, I think, you know, collaboration, cooperation, coming alongside, even if at the very beginning, it doesn't look like anything's in it for you, you've made that choice. The other, the last thing that many of us go to is this word compromise mm -hmm. in a relationship. Well, it's 50-50. Well, then 50-50 means you leave 50% of who you are on the table. But this negotiation, this cooperation, this collaboration space means both people are putting in 100% and making positive choices. That even if we're coming to a decision and it's your decision, but I fully affirm your decision and it wasn't my idea, in my saying yes, I'm giving my 100% voice rather than not being heard and just compromising. And I guess in this, my value of stewardship, I'm just always so aware when people leave so much on the table and settle. Mm -hmm. But in negotiation, in cooperation, collaboration, um, you put it all out there and you're heard and you make a choice, even if it's for the other person to win. It's been your choice and it's been your positive input into that. And I think that proactivity rather than reactivity is how we should all be living like it's it's our life why don't you take ownership of it and be responsible for your yeses your nos and um, choose to be in the place where there's more opportunities always rather than looking at where the doors are closed mm -hmm. now I wanted to just kind of even bring something up that I've been thinking about and I know that you're really great at championing others. And I, I kind of feel like I have a similar characteristic where I'm really great at coming alongside someone and encouraging being that voice to kind of help move them forward. And this is my own personal thing. So don't feel like you have to say, oh, I felt this way. But if you have something to add to it or suggest, I would love to hear what you have to say. Um, I have found, and this is just being really honest and truthful. I have found in doing that for so many years, there are so many times where I, it does not get reciprocated and it's, you know, so I'm giving it and then it, it, I am doing this, you know, not competing or collaborating or, you know, helping someone else. 
but that person does not give it back. Have you ever felt that? And if so, what have you done with that? So what I've just done, and I actually just did it last week because that's the kind of world we live in, right? Yeah. It's just not, you know, the ideal. We're always dealing with reality. And so you create the environment that you want to live in. Mm-hmm. So as much as you can keep doing for others, even if regardless of their ability to reciprocate. And we have to have three kinds of relationships. We have to have the relationships in our life where people are door openers for us, where we strategically place ourselves in people's lives that can do things for us because sometimes it's how we actually get ahead and get connected and increase our networks. We also have to have the relationships in our life where we do for other people when we're giving it away, opening doors for them. But we also need the kind of relationships where we're doing it for each other, where there's a mutual understanding that I, I have enough respect for you that, you know, I, I would love for us to be able to work something out together where, and I just had this with my book. Um, Somebody wrote my press release for me with the understanding that when her book comes out, um, I'm going to help promote it. And that was sort of a barter thing. Mm -hmm. But normally life isn't always like that because like, I think people are generally focused on their own sort of success. So I just decided to do a strategic plan for my life that understands the environment and builds contingency in, but also stewards where I've been giving out inappropriately. And so strong boundaries around my yes. And again, if you're doing that too much, you will burn out and you will have resentment and you will, it won't motivate you to move forward. So I've done some work on personal strategy so that I can leverage, you know, what I'm giving out, what I'm doing in a way that actually gives back into my career or my trajectory in order so that I'll help others. But if I keep doing what I'm doing, um, you know, I I just don't want to be open to resentment or feeling Mm -hmm. bitter or feeling, um, you know, like it's not, it's not fair. So I create an environment and a strategy that keeps me on track, that I don't lose more than than I should, if that makes sense. Does that make yeah, sense? No, it absolutely. I've never actually heard it that way, but it, it totally makes sense. I'm thinking like, wow, it's like a strategy. So it's not mm-hmm. like haphazardly thinking, okay, I'm going to continue to to do this, but it's, it's knowing I have bandwidth for giving away this much. Mm-hmm. And I also know that there are moments where this needs to feed in as well to yes. what I'm doing. So so that it, it, it doesn't just become one of those things where it's like you're constantly giving, constantly giving. And and as you're saying that too, and as you're explaining it, and then I thought to myself, there with the door openers and people who are, you know, kind of strategically placed in your life, and you're probably strategically placed in someone else's life. Mm-hmm. And so just because that person is a door opener for you doesn't mean you're a door opener for them. So you might actually be opening the door for others. Um, and so it's, it's not necessarily like I give to you, you, you give to me, it's I give and then trust that this is given elsewhere. Right. 
and it, it is a pay it forward, but yeah. it is. And so I don't know very many men that struggle with this, to be honest. You know, and it's so strange, you know? right? <laughs> and that, that's a whole other conversation. I know, <laughs> but the boundaries are so important. Mm-hmm. I mean, the bound, you know, and so I, I sort of live out of this schematic of a triangle. I have to be fully dependent on God because he's the one that made me. He gave me my gifts. He created me as much as I say, why did you create me this way? Being a four is complicated on the Enneagram. I'd rather be a seven. Well, he, he just gave me whatever he needed that he thought, you know, whatever, whatever I could, you know, fulfill my purpose. He gave me what I needed. So I'm fully dependent on him to keep telling me who I am, reminding me of that. So fully dependent there. And so for many people, even listening to this podcast, they may not have a relationship with God, but if you think of a higher power or whatever that spirituality is, everybody is grown, is made with this third dimension of spirituality. You're dependent on somebody other than yourself. And then I'm assuming that other people are fully dependent on their, their source of power. Um, so that it frees me up to be fully independent then in my person and not codependent with other people mm-hmm. and always trying to please them, always trying to make everybody else happy. I actually then can be interdependent, but to be interdependent, you have to have a fully functioning, healthy, dependent self. And I think when we get that right and understand that we're responsible for our own boundaries and that they're healthy and appropriate and they're not meant to keep people out, but they're meant to keep in what is beautiful about you, what is, what is, you know, meant for you to offer the world and not be abused or taken advantage of. And I think, you know, even Jesus, he was actually the best, amazing, most um, balanced leader that ever lived. He would say no and he would say yes. Mm-hmm. He said no more than he said yes. And people go, well, you can't, you can't go off on your own. You, you have to do this. You have to do this. He goes, no, I don't. And so if he can do it, we can do it. And I think just that beautiful, think of, think of yourself as whole, resourceful, competent, healthy, integrated, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, what a beautiful way to live. Because then when you're going in your life, you're not never taking from other people. You're never, you know, expecting from other people because you have everything that you need, but you're looking for opportunities to serve because it's not going to cost you. And you're going to be open to receiving what other people can give you. And it's just, I don't know, this beautiful picture that helps me with um, live my life, not dependent on other people's affirmation and, you know, value, because I'll never get it. So I have to do the work myself to be able to function and take myself out into the world, whether I'm at work, whether I'm at home, I take the same person everywhere. I don't keep yeah. trying to change to meet, you know, the environment or people's expectations. Right. No, that's awesome. Now, before we close today, um, I want to just ask you, what is kind of like your word for the year? Like this is our very first episode of the year. And what is kind of the thing that you're focusing on your intention for even this 2020 for you? Yeah, I mean, I usually start with the big funnel of words. And to be honest with you, I haven't, um, I haven't gotten the funnel lean enough to have that final word pop out. Yeah. But it will be something. Oh, gosh, the words that I've played with 
Um, I mean, I love the word anthem. I feel like it's time in my life for my message to be clear that when people see me coming, they know the words of the song, if that makes sense, that when I show up, they know what I'm bringing. And an anthem, I think, is sort of a declaration of this is what I know I'm here for and this is what I offer in this space. So I love that word and um, the messaging around that, you know, I don't want people to run or feel any shame or any expectation or feel less than human when I enter a space. I want to bring, you know, positivity and encouragement and love and, you know, give out of that abundance space. So I think anthem is a word that I'm, I'm thinking of that um, there's always more and you're more than enough. And whatever words that would be strong, yeah, strong words, strong, um, life-giving words, I would want to live out of that. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. I'm so excited for your new book, for <laughs> people to, you know, get a hold of it and to read it. And so how can they do that? How can they find it? Where can they find you? Oh, they can find me. Uh, so I've got two websites, kathyostopchuk.com and bravewomenboldmoves.com. So they can also go to Amazon, Indigo. It's already for sale there. If anyone would like a signed copy, then they can find me through the websites and I can sign it and send it out. And they're $20 and we can do it that way, but um, really wherever books are sold. So uh, they're just, um, for the time, I think it's a good read because the whole point is meant to inspire and encourage and remind every reader, men or women, that for such a time as this, you're unique and you have a purpose to fulfill. So don't do what everybody around you is doing it because everybody around you is trying to be like everybody else. Yeah. You know, just uh, like this, I think it's Oscar Wilde that said, just be yourself, everyone else is taken. But also don't choose to be brave just for the sake of being brave because people climb Mount Everest and give their lives for what, you know, just that I did it. Make sure that you're doing it for the right motive. Make sure you're doing it so that you're leaving a legacy and you're impacting culture and you're influencing. Do it for a greater purpose. That's, Mm. I think that's all I'll say about that. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for being on the Courage Cast, Kathy. And, um, I'm so excited to see what this year holds for you. It's, it was a privilege. Thanks, Andrea. This is a brand new season for you, my friend. An opportunity to make the most of a new year. And as you've been listening to our conversation, you may have been thinking about your own unfolding of 2020. So I just want to remind you that you don't have to be anything that you're not. You just have to show up and be you. And like Kathy said, don't make brave moves just because. Do so with intentionality and purpose. You are uniquely gifted and purpose to do amazing things. And I know that you are. And I want to remind you that you are. There's no one that can do what you can do. So run in your own lane. Just stay focused on things that you need to be doing this year. And I know that it can sometimes feel a little bit overwhelming when you're trying to figure out what to do first and 
how to navigate opportunity. None of us really have it all figured out. So don't worry about whether or not you consistently have it figured out. That's why we need one another. So make sure you reach out and create that community for yourself. Be honest with the women that are in your life and find people who you really want to do the journey with. And for that matter, make sure that you are consistently surrounded by people who are life-giving and who want to continue to propel you forward. Now, I want to thank my brilliant, beautiful, talented friend, Kathy, for being our very first guest of 2020, of this decade. I couldn't have chosen a better guest. All of the details of how you can contact Kathy and get in touch with her are available over on thecouragecast.com. Make sure that you go and buy her book, Brave Women, Bold Moves. There are exciting things in store for you this year, and there are exciting things in store for the Courage Cast this year. In fact, we are counting down to our 100th episode, which is not very far away. And we love to continue the journey with you. So if you haven't connected with us over on Instagram, make sure you do so at the dot courage cast and also on Facebook at the courage cast podcast. I'm standing and believing with you that this year rivals any year you've ever experienced until next time. Remember you have everything you need to live bravely. If you like this episode of The Courage Cast, we'd love to hear from you. Leave us a rating and review, and while you're there, hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Original music and production by Stephen Krillick.